What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Turner here with another episode of the No Stress Midwest podcast. Uh, we are here joined by Cheyenne Foster, part of season two. Uh, Cheyenne, how's it going? It's going well. I'm uh, trying to relish the last week of Major League Soccer over here. So after this weekend, I'll have to find some other soccer to watch. I know. they. I was told like the new schedule came out I think earlier today, but there's like a two week gap from yes. this weekend. And then when that starts, which, what are you going to do? I guess I, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Take a deep breath, I guess. Yeah. Oh man. So I was also noticed the, um, the scars back there behind you. Can we, Yes. before we get started, can you, can we just go into what those are? CDC United. I actually mm -hmm. have that USA one, but instead of versus Mexico, it's Jamaica when they were oh, here. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I have that one. What are the other the other ones behind you? We've got. So I will happily explain. Normally, I have my studio set up, which this would be hanging out in the background. And if you watch any of my videos or my content, you'll see them just hanging up in the background. However, um, we're hanging out in the living room today, so. We'll get into this later, but this is the Soccer City San Diego scarf yeah. from some yep. work I did on that campaign. I got this last call at RFK scarf from the last Ooh. season they played at RFK before they went to Audi. Okay. This is my 25th season of MLS season ticket member scarf. I've been a season ticket holder with DC United for, I believe, four years now. Okay. And then... I have friends who have collected all of the USA scarves. I only have the one, but I did go to this game. So I feel like if I'm going to have any of them, You're it's going to be that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then crazy story. The one on the far side here, I have a friend in one of my fantasy leagues, major league soccer fantasy leagues who goes thrifting in Portland often. And Portland, Oregon has an amazing thrift scene, especially for soccer jerseys and stuff. Okay. And he found the scarf and asked if I was interested in it. And that was at the time that Portland was currently dealing with the fires that were uh, blowing through the Pacific Northwest. So he, <laughs> he made the best of a tough situation. He put it out on his patio and let it kind of marinate in the smoke and the uh, <laughs> fire smell for about two days and then mailed it to me. And it still smells like it still smoke. smells like it. A <laughs> so little, yeah. little bit of Portland there in D.C. Yes, and I appreciated it. I think that, that was very thoughtful of him. That, that's very original. Very yeah. original. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, Cheyenne, I want to thank you for, for being a guest on the podcast. Um, so just a little background. So Cheyenne and I met. Uh, maybe like a month and a half ago and and I was talking to one of my good friends and I told him I was doing this season two of the podcast I wanted all female guests and I was struggling to find them and I just remember I'm at like practice and my friend Tommy who you, who you talked to sends me a text and was like yo there's this girl who has this like soccer video Instagram thing check <laughs> her out I think she'd be great for the the podcast and I'm like, all right, dude, like, there's a lot of girls that have Instagrams of soccer. So, like, you know, like, what, what's, what's going on? He's like, look, man, let me talk to her. He's like, I was looking at her yeah. videos and stuff. I think it's some good content for you. So yeah. I looked at it. He reached out to you. I reached out to you. Um, 
And then our first conversation, now I, I don't know if you know this, but like typically those calls that I've had were about 15 minutes or so. And it was just oh. like going over just like very top level stuff. Hey, yeah. this is how the podcast is going to go. This is how it started. Uh, Cheyenne and I spoke for like an hour and a half, I think. She we was did. in like the parking lot of Whole, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. Where was it? Yes, I was just hanging out at the near the grocery store. It was Trader Joe's. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and we spoke for an hour and a half. And now here we are. So thank you again, Cheyenne. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope we didn't exhaust ourselves from that phone call. I hope we have more to talk about. Yeah, I, I hope so too, or else this is going to be a very uh, silent, <laughs> very silent podcast. Yeah, um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. Good. So, Cheyenne, you are uh, a bit of a different guest for this season in the sense that uh, most of my guests are, are current players or have played maybe in the coaching realm now. Uh, now, I know that you were uh, a player, a soccer player, but your soccer expertise and kind of what got you on here is not from playing it's from Correct. the social media and your stuff your work off the field so i'm actually really excited about it because i think you open up a pathway for people to say like hey maybe i'm not still playing but i want to be involved in the game here's another avenue for it so i, I really hope you can kind of dive into that and really help the listeners kind of find your your path to success and maybe they find a different one but maybe you blaze the trail for them in that way yeah. uh, so before we get into current let's go back little Cheyenne where are you from <laughs> what was what was youth soccer like what was youth sports like uh talk to me about all that of course so I grew up in Southern California um, mostly San Diego and then also Palmdale, which is north of Los Angeles. And my parents are not athletic people, but when any one of me or my three other siblings expressed interest in sports, they said, go ahead and play. So I've played softball, soccer, I golf, I ran cross country, we swam in the summer. We were just doing everything. Everything, yeah. Yes. And soccer just was one of those sports where I thought, well, I'm still running around like I like to, but I'm also doing something that's has a little bit more adrenaline to it than I think golf or, or softball did. So sure. I played pretty competitively uh, when I was in California. And unfortunately, I think that trajectory might have taken me somewhere different. But when I was in the middle of high school, we moved to the coast of Georgia for uh, an opportunity that my dad had professionally. And from there, I just had a completely different experience. There wasn't um, as much emphasis on sports in that area. And in fact, Morgan Bryan, who has played for the women's national team, she's from that same area that I moved to. And she had to drive down to Jacksonville, Florida, just to play on a, on a more competitive team. So and how far my focus is that from... Oh, like an hour, hour and a half, depending on where you go. Okay. Which for, mm. for someone who's a, a phenomenal player, like she is, was worth it. Right. For me, I think I was a jack of all trades, master of none, just really wanted to run around. So yeah. I, I then had a conversation with my parents when I was looking at colleges and they said, well, is soccer something you want to continue playing? I had a cousin who was, who was a goalie at Furman and was crushing it over there. 
and watching her and seeing that I could continue doing that in college, I thought, well, what do I want out of it? Do I want to play on a team that I might not be starting on and travel and work and work out in amazing facilities and, and get to have kind of the actual sports or athletic experience in college? Or do I want to be more of a student athlete knowing that I'm in that statistic of people uh, NCAA athletes that don't go pro, right. do I want to just enjoy it and then also work on school? So I chose the latter and ended up playing division three soccer at a women's college in Georgia, which allowed my parents the ability to come see my games as often as they wanted because they were only about three hours away. Okay. And I still got the, the degree and the education <clears throat> that I wanted, but I got to play soccer for an extra four years which was really awesome right yeah right right so So it worked out and I I I think when I talk about soccer now I have a great understanding and appreciation for it Mm -hmm. which I think helps one my fandom but two the content that I deliver and I do miss it I will say it's sometimes to get existential it is hard watching the NWSL thinking man, had I just cut out all those other sports, all those other hobbies and done just soccer. And maybe if my parents hadn't had so many children and it was just me, I could have, uh, could have maybe done something with it, but no, I'm, I'm grateful for where I am. And I, we're going to talk about it soon enough that I've, that I've still been able to keep soccer in my life, even though that's not my professional career. Right. So, so talk to me when you went to college, uh, what was your major? And then kind of what what transition happened while you were in college, right? So you're getting, you know, you're there for four more years. You're getting there to maybe your last two seasons and you're starting to think about, okay, life after soccer, what does that, you know, look like? Um, so kind of what was your major and, and how did you start thinking about what you were going to do with soccer once it ended um, from college? Of course. So... <clears throat> It was an interesting experience. I think the first year as a freshman, I was just trying to get my bearings and and learn to adapt to just how different the collegiate experience was than playing in high school and being responsible for myself, not having my parents to take care of me. Yep. So on a whole level. level. Yeah. I mean, it was me and my alarm clock waking me up at at four, four 30 in the morning. So I did adapt to that pretty well. And I, I will say that that's, that set me up for success um, all the way until um, now being Mm -hmm. as old as I am. But my junior year, we had, we had some successful seasons, my freshman and sophomore year, my junior year, I tore my MCL and both, I say menisci, the plural word for meniscus. Oh. I've, I've never checked that online, well, we're gonna but go I, with I assume it. it's right. We're going to go yeah. with it. I like it. You, listen, if, if you didn't say that last part, I was, I was sold. You would have believed I was it. sold on okay. it. Yeah. Okay. So menisci. And, My and menisci, yes. All right. So I ended up getting surgery on it after my junior season in the spring. And from there, our seasons – my junior season didn't go so well and my senior season went even worse and the ability to kind of transition away from that mentally was easier because of that Mm -hmm. it was still really hard but it allowed me to focus more on what i was studying which 
I always call it a renaissance education. I went to a liberal arts college, which is um, a little bit different from a state school or a big school. And for everyone listening, we had 900 students on campus. So very, very small. Um, You had to participate in pretty much everything in order for the groups or clubs to to keep running. So I majored in international relations and French double majored, and then I minored in classical piano. So uh, yes, I to, to drive the point further home, I did not say no to anything. I grew up playing piano, wanted to keep playing piano. I grew up studying French in high school, wanted to keep studying French. I did Model UN in high school, wanted to keep doing things about the United Nations. So Played soccer um, in high school. Kept going with it. Yeah. Okay. So you see things through. I like that. Correct. And I will say, I mean, I still do all of that. I play the piano for my local congregation, the organ for my local congregation as well. And I still play on co-ed rec soccer teams, which are not so much now about getting better at soccer as they are networking and just making friends and hanging out with friends. Yep. But uh, yeah, I do. I am just an avid hobbyist, as I say. I like to do it all. So Wesleyan College is where I went, and it was kind of perfect for that. But as I was transitioning away from that and, and graduating and trying to decide what I wanted to do, it was actually the same year as the 2012 presidential election. And uh, foreign affairs or foreign policy is uh, the, the other side of the same coin political coin. So you've Mm -hmm. got foreign affairs and domestic affairs and the presidential election was domestic affairs. So I decided to work for a political nonprofit for that election Mm -hmm. and then followed it to DC and kept working in politics. I worked on the Hill for a member of Congress. I worked on a presidential election in 2016. I worked for a political party in 2016 when that uh, presidential campaign ended up folding. And then I've worked on campaigns ever since. And interestingly enough, as uh, it doesn't sound like I've dabbled in soccer at all during those experiences, but two things that I do think are really important to mention. One, in every interview I've had with uh, potential jobs or employers, I have always mentioned soccer. I've never put it on my resume, mm-hmm. but I always mention that I was an NCAA athlete because it tells them a lot. Yep. It tells them I'm a team player. Yep. I have a really hard and uh, great work ethic. Mm-hmm. It tells them that I am willing to do anything and everything. I'm not above any project or, or right. any errand, et cetera. And I also find that, especially on a place in like a, a place like DC where nobody that I've come in contact with really is from here. They're from a lot of other places. Yeah. There are so many people who have played division one, two, or three sports at their respective colleges. And it makes for such a great networking opportunity Mm -hmm. because you have so much in common without having to express it when you find out someone else has also played a collegiate sport. You all went through those, when we talked about those 4 a.m workouts where it's using yeah. the alarm clock where you, yeah. your body is dead tired but you have to go to training and then the cafeteria closes so like you're on your own for food and 
You've got for girls the messy bun and oversized sweats and shirts that they're just walking around in. It's yep. everyone, yep. you know, everyone has those same those same things that regardless of division one, division two, II, division three, or NAIA, right? JUCO. Correct. You Correct. playing a collegiate sport has the same, you know, structure and, and backbone to it. And and I think that that's pretty cool. And uh, like you said, a great opportunity for networking because it just, it's something that not everyone does and not everyone has them. Right. And before I mention my second point about my experience uh, with soccer in my current position, I will say division two and division three and NAIA student athletes are some of the most amazing people I've ever met because I've, I, I love watching college football and, and uh, great college soccer, just like the rest of them. But those athletes, there is a lot that they don't have to worry about um, mm -hmm. when they go to a big school with amazing facilities and with tutors that are really helping them get through. For me, it was me, myself, and I. Right. And I going to such a small college meant that I had to be physically and mentally present for every class that I, I took. And the professors appreciated that I came there to play soccer, but didn't appreciate it if I used it as an excuse for why I didn't complete my yeah. assignment or my project. So <clears throat> it was, especially with all of the different things I studied, it was a lot, but it taught me so much about what to prioritize and how to manage my time. And it also, really set me up for success. And one thing I will say uh, before I move on is that it taught me the importance of college as a learning experience, not a performing experience. So my grades were not amazing, right. but the things that I learned in my four years at school are invaluable. I I don't need an A in that particular class to say that I truly grasped uh, yeah. what was taught. Yep. And I learned a lot and that it's informed the decisions I make now as a professional. And the same goes for soccer. So both of those things, the student and the athlete, part of being a student athlete were just really, really helpful to me. Um, I, I think you, you brought up a very good point and, and I haven't heard anyone phrase it in this way. Uh, where you were talking about in college that you learn, but maybe not perform. And yeah. I think that is, uh, I can't even say how good of a point, like how much I agree with that, because I, I too was, was very similar and like my grades were not the best. I know that for sure. But I know that in each class, I learned what I needed to, to grasp to get to that next step, right? And then it's just kind right. of moving on and like survive in advance, right? And it's like, I know I can get through and learn this bare minimum to get me through this course. It's gonna set me up for the next thing. Um, right. But I would, you know, get nervous, not nervous, but shy that like kids would have like 4.0s and like get A's on everything. And I'm like looking at them like, how do you, how do you know this stuff? Like, what, what am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we graduated the same time and our degrees yep. look the same and we both got yep. jobs after college. So it's like, if any, I mean, to me, it's like, it's on the same page, right? You maybe got better grades, but we all got the same thing out of it, which was a job. 
and in education. So I think that's a very good way of putting it. And I think that people can, can relate to that and grasp it because learning and performing, yes, are two different things. So Correct. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And before we get into my channel or my mm -hmm. YouTube content, recently, well, I say recently, and it still feels like 10 years ago, back in 2018, I was working for a political consulting firm. Interestingly enough, it was based in Kansas City, but I will say my Kansas City apartment was empty a lot of the times because I was traveling so much. Yeah. And the end of the cycle, I went and helped with a campaign in San Diego, and it was a citywide ballot initiative. Well, wait, wait, so, wait. I was going to... Oh, yes. You there. Go I was going to take us there, but you beat me. You beat me to the point with that. Um, so keep that there on your head. Uh, sure, but sure. I was going to ask you how you transitioned from your work in D.C., working on a presidential uh, campaign and working at a, an, a convention and, and working in, in D.C. and getting that political experience. How did that then carry over into San Diego when you when you went there? And what were, you know, some of the things that you felt you were prepared for because of your work outside of soccer? And, and kind of how does that tie in with everything? Right. So I will, I'll start kind of at the end of 2016. Um, I had worked for a political party and was trying to decide what I wanted to do after that. I didn't want to work in the administration. I didn't want to go back and work for a congressman. There's a big difference between official uh, representation or Congress, because that's mm -hmm. your, they are a public official, you are a public servant by working in government. And then actual politics where you're doing campaigning and fundraising for campaigns and, and stuff that you do back in the district Right. that that particular person represents um, or where they're running for office, et cetera. So I figured I had been in DC long enough that I would take a step outside of the city mm -hmm. and give myself a break from what everyone calls the swamp. And I was grateful that I did. It took me to Kansas City, which right. I absolutely love and sometimes wish I was still living in. Now, before we leave Kansas City, barbecue place, what's, what's your go-to? You come here for 24 hours. Where's the first barbecue place? Ooh. So I want to say Joe's if I'm just going for barbecue. Okay, I'm happy with but, that. Yeah, but if I'm, if I'm bringing somebody else and I want to give them the full experience, I would say Jack Stack. Boom, we can um, move on. You, you, yeah. Check, check, we're good. All right. Okay. Yeah, you passed. Right. <laughs> Are you a student that's struggling a little bit with the hybrid and virtual learning and looking to get just a little more help academically? Or are you a parent that has a child who's struggling to keep that same level of discipline and rigor that they had in the classroom at home? If any of these apply to you, check out No Stress Midwest Education an academic tutoring service where we offer both in-person and virtual tutoring. One of the things that separates us from others is that all of our tutors are board certified educators in Kansas and Missouri in a variety of specialty topics and familiar with the latest curriculum in school districts around the metro area. 
We are passionate about helping students achieve their goals in the classroom and also committed to helping students build the necessary skills and tools they will need in the future to succeed on their own. Our team follows the latest guidelines from the CDC. We require masks for all in-person tutoring to protect both the student and the tutor. Our tutors will either travel to your home or meet at a predetermined location to conduct all in-person tutoring sessions. All we need is a space for learning and we're ready to go. At No Stress Midwest, we truly believe in developing the well-rounded student athlete. No Stress Midwest does not tell you what to think, but teaches you how to think. No Stress Midwest Education, an academic tutoring service. For more information, visit www.nostressmidwest.com backslash education. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I miss that very much. And I, again, I, I wish that I could, I wish that I lived there still sometimes, and I wish that the time that I did spend in Kansas City uh, that I was actually more present for because Kansas City was my base, but mm-hmm. I traveled a lot. I spent right. a ton of time in Wisconsin. I spent a ton of time traveling throughout the state of Kansas. And I then ended the cycle in San Diego. So the po- political consulting firm that I worked for is kind of what they called a one-stop shop. We helped anybody doing a campaign, whether it was a ballot initiative or an actual person running for city, state, federal government. Mm-hmm. We had um, an operation that would help fundraise, do digital, so the ads you'd see online, social media, grassroots, which is grassroots organizing, getting physical people out and knocking on your door or making phone calls or engaging with others in the community to get them to vote. And we also did kind of like compliance stuff. Um, I'm sure everybody knows you can publicly access information about who donates to what campaigns and, and our firm did that as well. So a lot of what we did, the, the base of it all was logistics. Mm-hmm. And since I had done logistics and kind of operations in the past, um, coordinating my boss's participation in any number of events or primary debates, et cetera, it was a very easy transition for me. But going into it, I had no idea what campaigns I would be working on. It just really depended on what our consultants were able to bring in for business. So I was the associate that kind of went out to a campaign and was there to be the liaison, there to to plug the gaps, so to speak. And I did that for the whole summer in Wisconsin for a Senate primary campaign. It was a lot. Um, Those 4 a.m. mornings that I did in college came back uh, in my life in 2018. But it wasn't at the gym, but you weren't working out? Right. I wish I was working (laughs) out. That was, it was, yeah. The thing about campaigns, if anyone ever experiences them, is that your entire life just goes by the wayside. And whatever the campaign needs or wants is is your first priority. So. I ended up uh, leaving that primary campaign. Their primary was in mid-August, and unfortunately they didn't win. But I came back to Kansas City for a couple of weeks and was unsure about what to do for the end of the cycle because there were only about uh, two months left. 
So interestingly enough, and this is where Soccer City comes in, we have a consultant out in San Diego who's worked on a number of campaigns in Southern California and consulted on them as well. And they were currently uh, working on a ballot initiative for the city of San Diego. If you've ever been to San Diego, uh, there is a massive gap in the middle of the city left by the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the Padres used to play, the way, the name I remember it as when I was younger was uh, Jack Murphy Stadium or Qualcomm Stadium. Um, yeah, 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 Qualcomm, yeah. Right, and when the Chargers left, uh, San Diego State plays at that stadium occasionally, but there really is, in the Mission Valley area, there's just kind of an, an empty space. Lots of parking spots that aren't really used and then an empty stadium. Mm -hmm. And a group of investors um, who are not political guys at all wanted to buy the land from the city and turn it into a kind of like mixed use, uh, big economically boosting right. oasis, I almost thought of it uh, as because it was going to have a new stadium. It would have commercial real estate. It would have uh, places, apartment buildings you could live in. They were working on a park. They were working on uh, a number of things to make it kind of a an entertainment district. Right, like an all-inclusive. You can come mm -hmm. here, you can live here, you can shop here, you can right. watch the soccer team here, you can raise a family here, do it all. You don't have to leave type of thing. Right, and these guys were, like I said, business owners, very wealthy, born and raised in San Diego, and they all decided that they wanted to do this as their legacy project. They wanted to make that part of town um, something to be proud of, uh, and they had the money to do it, and they were willing to buy the land from the city at what they call fair market value, so what, what it was worth at the time. And encompassed or included in all of that was this stadium we're talking about, which would be would have been a soccer stadium that San Diego State could have also used for football. And with all of that came this offer from Major League Soccer that if they were successful in passing this ballot initiative, that an, a Major League Soccer team would come to San Diego. And that's how Landon Donovan got involved. Uh, yeah. um, and we had a, a bunch of people who had been kind of either former soccer players or people in the soccer community in San Diego that all came together for this initiative. And it was called Soccer City San Diego, which in my opinion as a political operative was probably strike number one for them because I like soccer, but not everyone in San Diego likes soccer. Um, and even though the initiative offered so much more than soccer, uh, it kind of got titled. Uh, it's titled Soccer City, so you're not gonna. You have right. to look more into it. Most right. people are gonna see that, and if they don't like soccer, they're gonna be like, "All right, never mind." What's the point? Like, yeah. I don't want to approve this. What's it gonna cost me in taxes? Yeah, yeah. What's the like? What's the point if I'm not gonna participate? The Chargers left. What What would keep this new team from leaving? And so it was it was an uphill battle from the start and our consulting firm came in not at the last minute but a little bit towards the end and we were in an interesting situation where we were dealing with uh people who didn't really understand how campaigns operate but still wanted 
to uh, operate put, campaign. Right, right. Yeah. They yeah. have the money and people who have the money make the decisions ultimately, but uh, you can, and as we've learned in this past election cycle, you can throw a lot of money at a campaign and still lose. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I went in uh, end of August and I managed the ground game. I was the field director, as they call it, and I single-handedly managed a team of over 100 grassroots operatives, so people that we had paid to canvas full-time, knock on doors, make phone calls, yeah. uh, participate in our events, and just help get the vote out. And I was pulling from a database of volunteers they already had and trying to just put some money behind it so that we could magnify our efforts but i was also enlisting people from around the city that were interested in making some extra money so mm -hmm. campaigns do this but it is oftentimes at the end of their list of priorities based on how much money they have right. and these guys had a lot of money so it was uh kind of an all-out sprint and we were also competing with another initiative that was that wanted the land as well. It was San Diego State University. The land was actually right next to their campus. And even though they were not able to offer any money, they were hoping that the city would just give them the land. They, uh, their ballot initiative was reactionary. They saw these guys come in with a really awesome plan and thought, wait, wait, wait. We want that. I, yeah. I want that, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of threw something together and uh, theirs ended up passing by a large majority and probably so, having the backing of just being a, a university i feel right. like that's like trying to like take a kid from a mother like it, it's always going to be with the mom first and then anyone else right. <laughs> you know? that's yeah. that's a funny uh funny metaphor that actually really makes a lot of sense to me and i will say the the experience was amazing um, yeah. It also was a very interesting deep dive into something that I'm personally passionate about, which is public-private partnerships for soccer stadiums. I think a lot of uh, you, as you get older, will notice that sometimes your taxes go to building something in your town that may not necessarily make any money or may not necessarily be the best decision for that particular city to make. and. Uh, a great example is Audi Field down the road from me in D.C. Mm -hmm. actually took the most money from the city of D.C. to build the stadium of any soccer-specific stadium in the country. And that sounds all great uh, that the city was willing to fork out that money. But right. then you think of all the other things a city is in charge of, of funding and taking care of. And you think, well... Where on the list does yeah, sports yep, fall? And yep. are sports so important that we want to prioritize them over education or healthcare, et cetera? So in that, in that way, I'm, I uh, am a, a very big uh, opponent of getting a city involved. Um, the city had to be involved in San Diego to allow the people to decide where they wanted this land to go. Right. Uh, part of what I appreciated was that the initiative that we were working on was proposing buying the land outright and actually putting money back into the city of San Diego. Right. Because um, if, if they owned that land and then they built this city oasis, as you said, anyone that comes to visit it is 
is giving money back to the city of San Diego right. and right, right. Versus if Sandy, I mean, if the college or university owns it, well, people can't use that, you know, because it's owned by the school. So only right. the school has the right. Yeah. Okay. Well, and think of it this way: San Diego State <clears throat> is a state school, so anyone who pumps money into San Diego State is giving their money to the state. They're not giving their money to San Diego. So it was, uh, I understand California as a whole obviously needs money to operate, but when you're thinking about something local and something that San Diego could have really uh, gotten behind, yeah, our a, initiative was where to go. Yeah. So it was such a heartbreaking experience. Right. Um, but to, to bring all of this back to how kind of my professional career and my interest in soccer mixed, there are so many instances in major league soccer and American soccer where a city, a government, a political entity, what have you, has to get involved in either the building of a stadium, the approval of a permit. Um, there, there are a plenty, plenty of ways, and I'm sure you've noticed this, and it will get even bigger as we as we move down the road. Soccer and soccer players is uh they're getting super political yeah and they're they're talking a lot about causes that are important to them um i think that the dialogue is so incredible and we've seen this in other sports where people have tried to state an opinion and it is just crushed by mm -hmm. the league or by the, the business mm -hmm. uh, that that owns that particular operation and I said this in a video of mine I did a few months ago, which is people always tell athletes or people who work in sports to stick to the sport. Right. Shut up. But they, butt. yeah, but they forget that these people are humans as well. They yeah. deal with things off the field. And so those conversations are, are happening and they're happening with a political context. So Politics is everywhere. Politics is in everything. Politics is a business and sports is a business. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff that I do, like I said, for the firm, which is fundraising, social media, operations, events, etc., that you also do in sports. So the last thing that I'll say that I've done professionally that I don't think we talked about in our long conversation is I, uh, about a year and a half ago, was contacted by some people in Philadelphia to help them from a political and logistical perspective with one, the Philadelphia Union Academy and their interest in fundraising more money. And two, the city of Philadelphia's bid to be a host city for the World Cup in 2026. Yeah. So those kind of things are all about soccer. Yeah. They're also all about a city's ability to host a major worldwide event. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that includes collaboration between the city government, state government, the local uh, municipality. I mean, all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's it's kind of come like full circle. <laughs> and that's your, that's your niche essentially. Yeah. So that's Correct. pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And right. I think, um, I like it. yeah, it's, it's, uh, soccer kind of pops up often and especially since 2018, I think, uh, that kind of opportunity 
is never expected, but it's always a welcome surprise. I was not at all expecting to work on Soccer City, but uh, as far as San Diego is concerned, that the way that that ended or is still ongoing, I guess, is they now have a USL team yep. that is coached by Landon Donovan because that Soccer City project was very near and dear to his heart. And the hope is that eventually the USL team will become an MLS team. They don't know how, they don't know when, but uh, that's, again, as a, as a business and as something that exists uh, within a city, that'll be another big political conversation if they want to end up building a bigger stadium somewhere else uh, in the city or, or want to put a, a nice bid together for Major League Soccer to look at to, to bring them up to, to the top tier. So. Are, you, uh, are you saying that you're, uh, is this an open pitch to get involved? When when Landon makes the Landon decides to make the jump to MLS, I don't know. You know, I I always say, um, or I've always heard people say, never meet your hero. And I have always told people that after that experience, that I could I could let Landon do his own thing. I think the the mix of non political and political people made yeah. that experience just so difficult at times. Fair enough. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure Landon would tell you if asked that, it, yeah. that, that there were several times where I was just like, please go away. <laughs> That's, That's not true. how this works. Just let me do what I'm supposed to do. Right. So, yeah. No, I love him, though. A huge idol of mine. And he's doing amazing things for San Diego Loyal. But, man, I it was such a, an undertaking that I almost want to leave it to people that have maybe more uh, oomph and passion about it than I do. Yeah. And, and to touch on it real quick, I mean, it's been in the news. If you're in the soccer news with the San Diego loyal, maybe a month or two ago, there's an incident where they were playing against the Phoenix rising and there was a homophobic slur being thrown out um, by a Phoenix rising player to someone on the loyal and, and to see Landon Donovan, you know, kind of step up, I guess, whether he heard it or, a team, one of his players told him, I don't know how he got right. the info, but they have like a behind the scene video of him, like talking to the, the Phoenix rising coach, you know, like, dude, like that's, that's not okay. That's BS. You know what he said, blah, blah, blah. And the coach for Phoenix is like, let's not do that here. And I was like, it, that oh, was like, saying man, I was just like, Oh, yeah. it's like you're, yeah. you're making a big deal out of it. And I'm like, dude, it is a big deal. Like I was like, well, it but is. but before we get like too far into that, mad mad props to right. Donovan right. and the loyal for for standing up for that, especially in today's age. I mean, there's just so much that's going on, and there's so much attention that needs to be brought to to things. And this is a perfect example of there's no room for it and uh, for racism for for home of uh, being homophobic for any of that in, in any sport or in life. But right. I'm glad that they made a stand for it in soccer. That was uh that was pretty cool. Right. I so, completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. All right. So Cheyenne, talk to yes. me about the business between clean sheets. Okay. I, I looked, I was up. Well, well, when I first talked to you, I stalked you on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. Now that I've, I know you, I would say, I still talk, stalk you, but it's just on Instagram, not as much <laughs> on YouTube. Um, yeah. But talk to me about the business. How, how did you come up with it? 
Where did the name come from? Um, I've watched, uh, I mean, quite a few of your videos, I'd say. Not all of them. I haven't stalked you that much. But I've watched an overwhelming amount. Don't go too far back. They're really, really amateur. Okay, the first, so, the first, so maybe like, I stopped at the right time then. Because they, yeah, they are probably. pretty good. Um, but what was your, like, why did you start it? And kind of what's your... Uh, what's your goal with it what what's the theme of it fill the the listeners in Pump, promote between clean sheets let's see okay yes so back in 2015 2016 working in politics and it being such an interesting election cycle i was really exhausted with it all mm-hmm. and needed an escape i just needed to do something else get my creative juices flowing and uh Honestly, I was thinking, oh, this might be my exit to a different professional career. Let's see what we got. So with that attitude of all hands on deck, jack of all trades, master of none, I decided I would start learning how to make video, edit video, conceptualize a video, and put together content for my favorite sport and my favorite league, which is Major League Soccer. And I have seen the steady rise of MLS in the past decade or so. Yeah. I was at the time and had been for a few years actually playing on all of these co-ed rec teams with boys and girls, men and women who love soccer, but really only knew about Premier League or really only cared about U.S. soccer every four years. Right, and so. Right. I went to, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this, Wesleyan was a women's college, mm-hmm. and I didn't get the college football experience. I, I don't get super excited for any of my school's sports. And I felt like going to RFK and seeing DC United was my college football. It yeah. felt yeah. real. It felt tangible. Yep. It felt so accessible. Mm-hmm. And the season tickets were so dang cheap <laughs> that I thought, you know what, just go for it. Right. And I had uh, tried to get friends to come along with me at various points. And the attempts were always, Clint Dempsey's coming with the Seattle Sounders. you got to watch this game. This right, will be great. Yeah. Or David Villa with mm-hmm. New York City FC. Or like Thierry Henry, who plays yeah, literally in America. Yeah, right, right. Someone whose name that might get them to come instead right. of just coming right. to watch the home team play soccer yes and i think because i was spending so much time prepping my friends to watch these games i almost thought well i could do this on a video i could do this for a lot of people there are a lot of u.s soccer fans and soccer fans in general in america but they're just ignoring the soccer that's happening in their own backyard and i don't know why well i do know why it's because we've got a long ways to go in terms of quality but I My thing you. is root for the home team. Like go, sure. go to the yep. team that's that's right down the street that doesn't cost that much money to watch that you can actually have a a, a connection a to connection. geographically. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of the a lot of the guys that I watch, um, I've been to the cities that they're from. I've been to the colleges that they played at. I I know who they are because I ha- I just. I have more of a connection with them. Um, and I also am just learning so much more about South American soccer because of the number of South Americans that are coming to play in major league soccer. And it just helps me appreciate and understand the soccer. Like I said, that's happening in my own backyard. So 
what I have done in the few years since 2016 and with the very little uh, time allotted to me to do what I want and not my job right. is I have traveled and I have vlogged my different experiences and trips to MLS teams to see USL teams. I've done video conversations, giving updates about the league, talking about my favorite players, talking about where DC United is. And my plan is to just get people interested in the experience that is major league soccer. And when us soccer plays their friendlies, plays their uh, World Cup qualifiers, plays in the World Cup, that people who are paying attention to our team, anyone who comes from the MLS, hopefully they will know before then. They'll know of them before they get there. there, Right. And I don't necessarily think that, and especially with the U.S. men's camp that they just named, this. was all all european guys mostly because of pandemic and COVID yeah covid related. i mean and that's just the yeah the, the quarantine two-week period right you send someone right. from the mls there that's two weeks that they can't do anything and then they right. miss half the camp so i get yeah. that but but what what are your what are your views on it in the sense of those guys who they selected that are going to be playing against wales versus the guys here in the mls do you do you think and, – and I obviously don't think that no MLS player is, is should be up there because that would be a lie. But do you think that those younger guys that are playing overseas, um, do you think that now might be a, a good chance for them to, to crack into that starting 11 or to crack into those camps, especially with yes. missing the last World Cup, right? That was a huge yeah. gap where we just like – I don't think got better as a country with soccer, you know? No, we did not, Brian. No, we did not. Some so might say we say, got worse. So. <laughs> that, that some would be me. Yeah. I, I would have said that. Yeah. So I think that, interestingly enough, I think that this is actually a huge positive for the guys currently in Europe because I don't think, and Greg Berhalter came from Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. He most recently coached the Columbus crew. And I think he has a soft spot in his heart for MLS players, sometimes to his own detriment. Jazzy and and Will Trapp were like the first two people. I know. I'm like, can we just let Will Trapp go for for now? Yeah. So that's, this is actually a, a great opportunity for, for the guys who are in Europe to get playing time in a situation where really they otherwise wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is for better or for worse, going to put them in a, in a much better spot when it comes time to pick the the starting lineup. And I don't think that it will keep MLS players out. I do think that we still need older players. Uh, I do think that the, the squad announced for these friendlies, I was about to say in November, but it is November. It is November. Um, I know. Yeah. I think that those guys are all really young and a lot of the average age is 23, I think. Yeah. Which is just not sustainable or particularly efficient for a men's, a men's national team. So I think that it's because it's a friendly, it's a great uh, hit and miss. If they get blown out of the water, they've got a good excuse. If they crush it, 
they've got a good reason. Um, I will say, this is kind of a side note, but I feel really bad for Josh Sargent, who I know he just got just got injured. And and then speaking on that, then they bring in Sebastian Legette, who's an MLS player who has right a two week quarantine that now he has to serve uh, once he goes there. Are you ready to take your game to the next level? Trust the process and sign up for No Stress Midwest training today at www.nostressmidwest.com slash training. No Stress Midwest primarily offers training for soccer players on the individual, group, and team settings of all ages and skill sets. Our training is customized for the player, and our goal in doing that is to continue to grow the love of the game, build a personal desire to want to develop, and create the chance and choice for the player to play at the next level. We have developed a unique solution here at No Stress Midwest Training, showing our clients that you can have fun while still getting better. By creating a unique training environment customized to the player, we feel that not only are we able to get the most out of the individual by creating a no-stress environment, but we are also teaching them fundamentals that they can carry off the field and apply in their everyday life. Visit our website at www.nostressmidwest.com backslash training and sign up for your first session today. But I, yeah. I, I was really looking forward to seeing Josh with, with all of them, right? If you don't watch Josh for uh, uh, in the Bundesliga, I think he's with uh, Werder Brem- Bremen, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, those all of those guys, have, I think it's their time. Um, I do think, though, yes, like you said, there needs to be some experience there. Um, I, I do think that we could, I, well, we, like, I, like we're making the decisions here. <laughs> I do hope I'm that, on the bench for these games. Right. Brian. You're the one talking, talking to Greg, the double G. <laughs> uh, I, I do hope that that Greg is is specific maybe in the in the people he wants to bring that are there for the experience. Because like for example, I think Michael Bradley has served his time in for US. Preach. Stock. Preach. And, oh my gosh, please. And you know he it's it's the same I'll I'll be honest, it's like he hasn't changed from when I've seen him and, and it's unfortunate because I mean, I do like him as a, as a player, right. For sure. not knowing him, sure. but I think his time is done. Um, Josie Altidore, one of my favorite players have his Jersey, but like, I, I think his time is done there as well. And, and if yeah. it's going to be an experience thing, then I do think that maybe that can get handled, not at a camp where like they can meet up or talk, whatever normal people do it um like a mentor situation yeah right right where you don't have to bring them to a camp and take the spot of of someone young who might not be there yet but you get him that experience and you get his butt kicked while he's 17 18 right and and then they get to a point where now they're doing it well i will say it could be very much like an ali krieger situation in the world cup last year where she was a part of the squad named as a what most people considered a veteran and someone who maybe shouldn't have been there Mm -hmm. but she worked hard to get there so that's that's on her for doing that but she also mostly sat the bench so it it ended up working out that she was still able to provide 
the uh, veteran vibe and and kind of set the tone for right. the team, but that the younger players were were allowed to to shine. So right. I think I I wouldn't mind if they called Josie Altidore and then he hung out on the bench. I think that would be the best case scenario. I agree. But I agree. But how I do you see. convince? A, I mean, how do you convince a player to sit the bench? You know what I mean? Like he's like, hey, yeah, I, the egos are bigger. On right. Like, hey, I played in I played in World Cups for this country. How are you going to put me on the bench for, That's you know, true. some kid who doesn't have his driver's license? Uh, so That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but, you know, luckily we're not in that position to to make those calls yet. But we can talk about it like we're doing now and, and hope that one of them hears it and they they don't get offended. Uh, I was going to say, Michael Bradley, if you're, you're listening, sure. <laughs> you know what we're saying. Everyone's been saying it. It's not our fault no. that you had to hear it No, again. it is. <laughs> and it's, it's rough. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like people like, uh, I mean, you've got like Weston McKinney and, and then Sergino Des. And you, you've got these like guys that are now on Champions League teams. Obviously, I, I don't like saying Christian Pulisic because everyone knows him. That's like a, a given, yeah. right? I don't – we know he's in there. Gio Reyna with Borussia Dortmund. Like, I mean, it's it's scary that we have people that are playing for these top teams in the world. And they're and like – starting. Two, and, and they're like kids. They're 20 yeah. – you know, what's Christian Pulisic? Like 22 maybe. Gio just turned 18. It's like it's, – it's nuts. I feel old. I feel so old. <laughs> I do. I do too. I I do too. Cause I'm like, what what have I done with my life? I'm 31 now, and I'm like, this person's about to play in a World Cup at 20. Like, you know what? We we did a podcast today. We did. We did a podcast. So. That's big. That's big. Cause that, <laughs> that's 20, huge. At 20, I was not in in a World Cup. I, I honestly was not even in peak soccer condition. I was a really good college condition where my sport changed from like soccer to beer pong and it uh yeah you know that's where I was at 20 um but yeah so anything more on between clean sheets kind of what's your your goal with it what do you what would be our best case scenario Cheyenne someone has a crystal ball in front of you and they you get to pick what is the best case for you between clean sheets and your career in let's say 10 years or so where are you at well i've given myself more of a five six year plan with the world cup coming here in 2026 i selfishly have always wanted this to be the lily pad where i that i'm able to use to kind of leap to my next professional project or endeavor and that would mean still being able to do YouTube, but kind of being my own boss and working with different soccer related entities to continue bringing the content that I do right now. Because I will say working a full-time job and doing YouTube is so hard. It's It's tough. It's tough. Um, But on the broader scale, especially like I said, with the world cup being here in six years or five years, I really want us as a country to be in a better place with our fandom. I want when people to come here for them to realize that the MLS is supposed is going to be and is supposed to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. I want people mm-hmm. to understand that the World Cup may be here, but that there's good soccer year round. 
and I want people to participate more fully in soccer at every tier. And that has a trickle down effect in a lot of ways. I think the women's side is doing an amazing job just by nature of them playing well yep. to bring that popularity uh, up and up. So I'm just using between clean sheets in my uh, own amateur way to elevate the name of the game and to continue the conversation and to keep the buzz going. So hopefully I can continue doing that in a, in a bigger and better way as the years go by. I love it. And, and I think that it's, it's big because I, I started a business as well, like, like you and, it, it came to me when I was an engineer and I was working full time there. And then, man, you, you get the, I'd get there at like six, right? Maybe seven, get done at three, coach high school from till five, have like a two hour break, coach club till like nine. And then I would get home and then it was like, okay, now I have time to myself again. But like, who wants to do any bit of work outside of anything at 10 p.m.? When you've yeah. just worked a full day and you know you have to wake up and do it all over again the next day. Right. Um, and and it, we talked about this. It's like, I have to do hair and makeup. I have to conceptualize a video. I then have to spend hours looking at my face on a video thinking like, your hair looks stupid. Everything you're saying is stupid. Voice. Like, I mean, you. I hate ugh, the way I sound. Yes. And, and it's uh, a, yeah. for, for people that, that have never done any sort of video editing or recording, like it, we, we might sound like prima donnas, but it, it's, it's, it's a pain. And video editing is on a whole nother level. And I've seen the stuff you've done. You, you've taken it above my level, right? I'm, I think I'm very basic with my editing. Have I? And, oh, yeah. then you might be really bad at it. I, I, I probably, <laughs> not I'm I probably good. am. I think I really am. Um, but yeah. I know for me, like to do one of these podcasts, right? I record this when we get done. If I sat down straight, probably four hours, would take me to edit the audio, edit the video, and then create the promo video, and mm -hmm. then upload it to its respective things. And for someone like you who's putting out a lot of video content, right? Like that's just, man, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. So props to you for, for doing that. And I hope that I'm not taking it up- It should tell time. you, I, no, 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 okay, you're fine. This is the best. I love podcasts because it means I do the talking, which I'm actually pretty good at. You do the editing and yep. you do the publishing and I just do the retweeting. You just, yep. You just <laughs> sit there and watch. You're like, oh man, I love yeah. how, how efficient this is. But um, I should tell you guys, everyone listening, this should prove to all just how into soccer I am, um, that, that this is what I'm doing with my spare time. So I really, I care about MLS. I care about it a lot. And I just hope it gets bigger and better as the years go by. Yeah, and, and you, you touched on a good point. Your first game at RFK Stadium when you were like, I love this. And my <sighs> first game at, it was, it was called Livestrong Park at the time, um, but now Children's Mercy were sporting plays. Oh, yes, yes, And yes. I remember I, I just moved here, and it was maybe a, a month in. I wouldn't even give it a month. Someone from work gave me tickets and I went to, and it happened to be the U.S. Open Cup final where they beat Seattle Sounders and PKs. Eddie Johnson no scored the fifth one. 
and they're uh. shooting at like I'm sitting right next to the goal. Like I mean, I couldn't have scripted it. And watching Sporting win that game, my very first game, I was like, I'm sold. This is I was Amazing. like, this is everything that I've wanted living in a city with a professional soccer team to be yeah and you've been to their stadium now i'm sure it doesn't compare to uh audi but live strong or not geez live strong. children's mercy is an awesome stadium um and what i like it's like a gladiator theme where like when you walk oh, yeah. in everything drops down in the fields beneath you so there's like no bad honestly the worst seats are like box seats and in a in, in a box right because right you're so far away from everything um, yeah, I know. I love, I call it sporting park. I'll, I will always forget to call it children's mercy, but no, I love that stadium. I don't like how far out I had to drive to get there, but yeah, it's kind I, of, I loved it. It's kind of out there. They built yeah. their training facility out there in us soccer as well. That it's like in the middle mm -hmm. of nowhere, but super nice training facility. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So Cheyenne, let's get into some of these generic questions. Okay. Right now. I asked my, um, I coached some younger teams and I asked some of the, the young ladies to put together some questions for me. Uh, so one, I learned never call little girls young ladies because they're like, I'm not young. Even though they were 12, they're like, coach, I'm not young. So my bad. Secondly, uh, it takes quite a bit of sifting through to like get through these questions because some of them yeah. were like, what uh what earrings do you wear when you play a game? And I'm like oh, interesting. Yeah, None, and I'm like obviously. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like I, I don't know if that's the first thing that they're thinking about, but we right. I still kept some good ones on here. So we're gonna go through some of these kind of fast paced. Um so don't think too hard, but don't of think too little and get caught slipping because that would be tragic. All right, hold on. I'm get ready. I'm ready. All like right. I, uh, stretch it out and warm get, up. The neck, get the neck going. Um, all right. There we go. I'm ready. All right. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. So who would you like to thank for getting you into soccer and getting you inspired by it? Whether it was a parent or whether, well, you say your parents weren't the athletic. Maybe you saw Mia Hamm play. You saw Brandy Chastain take off her jersey and and whip it around yeah. her head after winning. What, who was it? What was it? What event was it? I have to say my older brother, who was actually the one that turned on those games on TV. I don't think I would have seen them otherwise. He was a big into Premier League, watched all the games online growing up, and, and I would not have seen those games if not for him. Awesome. Um, what do you think is the biggest difference, or what do you think needs to change to make the equality uh, and pay there for the women's side compared to the men's side. Interesting. So the big conversation for that was always ideology versus reality. Um, I think ideally, and I think everyone would say this, that men and women should be paid equal in the U.S. soccer sphere. But the reality of the situation now is that both teams negotiated very different agreements with us soccer so in order for that to change i think we should hire people who are focused on bringing the women's game up to that level and help them negotiate something better for themselves and i think 
uh, hiring women will certainly help that happen. Hiring people who are willing to listen to the women's team would help that happen. And if you get to a situation where you can negotiate basically the same thing, then you can do exactly what Brazil did this year, which was very quietly and simply just start paying the men and women the same without making a big deal about it. Yeah. So. Well, and, and I think that there's a lot of things with that. I think America as a country is, is just so confused with, with this issue of, yeah. of men and women doing the same job and, and getting the same pay. But that, that conversation can legit go on for hours in really different ways. So we'll keep it at that. I love it. Um, yeah. What did you play at recess? What was your go-to? Oh, man. I was always outrunning the boys. Outrun. I was the fast. Yeah, I was the fastest runner in my school in uh, first through fifth grade. And that was always tested. So I, I so felt like always, I was just always there. Yeah, always it. being chased. <laughs> um what would you eat before a game right when you were in college what was your pre-game meal and is ice cream okay to eat before a game i would never recommend ice cream although i've certainly eaten worse before games but a pre-game ritual i had which i really appreciated was whenever my father would come up to watch me play he always brought a cracker stacker lunchable and a power bar. I never usually ate the power bar, um, but I always went for the Cracker Stacker Lunchable and a blue Gatorade. Ooh. And I felt like that was just kind of smooth and simple uh, just uh, of a snack. Yeah, it was just enough. Yeah. It, what it I wouldn't recommend anything else. Yeah, okay. So no ice cream for the record. No ice Heavens cream. no. I, would, I feel bad for anyone who would, would think that was a good idea. So I've... <laughs> As, as a high school coach, I think it was like two years ago, uh, I, I lied to you not, during girls, maybe our girls' summer camp, mm -hmm. I, had, I had them like start off, just do two laps around the field, and one girl threw up after the second lap because she had a chocolate ice cream bar. Yep. Before. And it's funny that I'm just now remembering that story, but it was really disgusting. And she was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for her. Now there's chocolate throw up on this turf field that I'm not cleaning up. It was just bad all around. Um, Honestly, you were thinking throw up. I was thinking something else. So she should oh, be glad okay, it was throw okay. up. Okay, so we're there. I will all say, right. yeah, at the collegiate level, I threw up a lot. So the the quicker you get yourself um, acquainted with that scenario and also how to eat better before and after practice, the, the, the easier better. it'll be on your body. Yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, so do you put your cereal in the bowl before the milk or after the milk? Before the milk. I hope that's the right answer. You put your cereal in before the milk. Everybody, everyone knows that. Everyone does. Okay. But I say Good. everyone, but there are people <laughs> that don't do that. Worried. Luckily, I haven't had one of my guests answer that incorrectly because that yeah. is when the podcast ends. It's I stop right there. <laughs> Because it's like I, I'm talking like, to a serial killer. I'm talking to someone that's not okay. I was gonna say good play on words too, serial killer. You see, you see what I did? I've been working. Yeah. That's my fifth. 
fifth time I think using it. So Bravo, Brian. I tried to, I tried to put it in there. <laughs> it was my first time hearing it, so I thought That's it was good. good. <laughs> uh, so what other sports did you play growing up? I know you, you mentioned that that you did some other ones, but what what were yeah. what were they and what was the order of like did you enjoy them? So I played softball the longest, very competitive softball player played third base growing up. And then in high school, I played for two years as a center fielder. Center fielders have to run. I was pretty fast. Well, and first through fifth grade, you're the fastest kid in school. So oh yeah. oh that yeah. stuck with you, of course. Yeah. A lot of stolen bases, a lot of pinch running. Um, softball for sure. I ran cross country to stay in shape for all the other sports I played. Mm-hmm. I swam in the summers competitively on a travel team and, and loved that it's a great full body workout and one I would recommend if you want to give your body a break. And then the one that I played kind of enjoyed the least, but now play more than anything is golf. I play golf all the time. And I will say if you're, if you are a lobbyist working in politics, golf is, it. Golf, is golf is what you need to learn. And I'm, I will say I'm pretty good at it. I I would almost say I'm even better at it right now than I am at soccer right now. So, so I don't know much about golf, but I feel like I always hear this question asked is what's your handicap? Is that, is, is that, so my handicap, I, I I haven't had it officially uh, registered or tested lately. I would say, yeah, well, it's kind of like an official number that helps you determine where you are in, in terms of everyone else's scores. But I usually shoot in the 80s, which is not the worst. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say to everybody listening is a lot of soccer players play golf. And a lot of soccer players uh, go to charity events and mm-hmm. fundraising events mm-hmm. that are golf tournaments. Yep. So golf is an expensive sport, I will say. And it can be really boring to watch on TV sometimes. But it has come in handy for me professionally in so many ways. I constantly call my dad and thank him for making me take lessons when I was younger. So I dig it. I, um, I tried, I, I tried when I first moved here and I was, I was an engineer. So I was in corporate America and like, I was told yeah. like, you gotta learn how to do it. So I was like super lucky where my manager sold me like my first set of clubs for $50. Uh-huh. Like, $50. I mean, yeah. Like that, like it basically like. gave them to me. And I was out there like every day after work on the driving range and I just sucked. I was so bad and being like athletic, I I like to think I'm still fairly athletic and and pretty decent at sports. Golf doesn't care. No, not, not (laughs) one bit. I was like, this is 20, 20 years of athletic ability, just being pissed down the drain. Every swing I'm getting blisters on my thumbs. My oblique is just is sore oh as all gosh, heck. Yeah. It yep. was it was not a fun experience. But I do want to try again. I just need that motivation of like someone to suck with me for uh for a bit so we can suck together and yeah. then get better. I was gonna I offer go to you. come play with you, but I don't suck. So Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> so you're off limits. Wait, you you've gotta wait till I get better. Okay, um, I will. All right. You'll be in touch. We will. I want to take a quick pause to thank our sponsor, AGY Performance Training. If you're a player in the Kansas City area, elite or pre-elite, and you've got next level goals, AGY Performance Training should be on your radar. 
Over a dozen MLS, NWSL, and USL pros trust AGY to get them ready for the grind that is professional soccer. Find them on Instagram at agyperformancetraining, a.greater.u. Uh, okay, so uh, I just had the question there. Um, what is your favorite memory from soccer? Oh, man. The first MLS Cup I went to in 2015. It was at Math Free Stadium, which is where a lot of the USA-Mexico games go down. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the Columbus crew play the Portland Timbers. And it was the first ever, like, national championship type thing I had ever been to. And it was, it was actually a really memorable experience. It made, me, it made me really get into MLS as a whole and start paying attention to teams other than D.C. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with question. But before yeah. we end it, we got to go into the dream five aside question. Okay. Yes. So yes. for the ones listening, it's uh, each guest has to pick them plus four people, including a goalkeeper. And I have to keep saying that because people keep disrespecting the goalkeepers and it, and, and it offends me a bit because my best friend's a goalie and, and yeah. I don't, I don't like that. So you're going to pick you plus four people, um, anyone you've ever played with, and then it's going to be you plus four uh anyone you ever wish to play with at any point of their career guy or girl so you can throw pele in there you can throw maradona in there maybe with the hand of god we can get a goal or two um it's up to you you talk to me who they are what's the team well i don't have any uh anyone specifically that i have personally played with that would make for a a dream five aside Um, oh but it's your friends, right? It's, it's right, right. but but still no. Okay, all right. Well, I will say my fantasy league is yeah. full of some professional people. We've got okay. Bobby Warshaw who works for MLS, Jake Ziven who broadcasts for the Portland Timbers, Heath Pierce who's a former professional player, and myself. Obviously, I'd probably play with all of those guys. Okay. Um, and maybe my brother will throw him in there just because we need somebody to poke fun at. I don't want to be the worst person you don't in that group. Now, is this the brother that yeah. got you involved with that turned on the game? Yeah. Okay. So he has never played. Oh, look at very that. into soccer, never played. Okay. So, yeah. V- yeah, very into soccer, though. So, all we'll right. give him that. Um, and then, man, my dream five aside. Let's hear it. So, uh, and you said I have to add a goalie. I can't be the goalie. You could if, right. if, if you if you want to play goalie and take on that responsibility. Then yeah. Okay. Well, I assume a fi- a five aside has the smaller goals, so I would be like covering less. Yeah. You know? So okay, I like the way you think. You're just gonna sacrifice yourself for the betterment yeah. of the team. Oh yeah. Okay, I dig it. I will not be the weakest link field player. I will not do that. My ego is too big. Yeah. I'm too proud. Of course. So you're in the net, the small yeah. net, the small net. Okay. So I thought about this when you asked me before we started and I kept it mostly MLS. Okay. And it, with the exception of one person. That's and right on mark for you. So let's yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to have a finisher, a poacher, Chris Wondolowski, current oh, all time oh. leading goal scorer from MLS was supposed to retire this year. It is looking like he might wait until next year. So you saw that final picture of him. Um, and yeah. Yeah. He yeah. is. I absolutely love him. He's been a great, uh, great name for the, for the league. Mm-hmm. So I'd have him. 
I would uh, take it back probably two decades, go with Eddie Pope. Oh, for DC Eddie United. Pope. Okay. Yeah. Now that I is appreciate. Why? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate a defender who also scores goals. Yeah. So Eddie Pope. Definitely wanted him. I'm already, yeah. I already like your team. I, once you said Eddie Pope, man, I love <laughs> it. Okay. Okay, good. Um, I'm also going to keep it MLS. Alfonso Davies. Ooh, ooh. He started with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yep. Don't forget where he started. He's, he, it may have been Canada, but it was still MLS. MLS and Academy. So, was in their, their youth academy. Yeah. So that's yeah. all the way up, all the way up. Alfonso Davies. He's someone who I actually would expect to be mentioned more, but you're the first one that's that's called him on the team. So well, here's the thing: is people are going to go with their Messi's, their Ronaldo's, that what have you. I don't have I don't have space in my brain for those guys. I do not I care. Like it. Okay. Uh, these are people I want to play with. Do I want to yep. play with Ronaldo? Heck no. No, I do not. I'll watch him play, but I do not want him to be. You on don't my want team. to be on the team. I can see that. That's yeah. cool. All right, yeah. so we've got you and goalkeeper. We've got Wando's forward. We got Eddie Pope and Alfonso Davies. I'm guessing as our two defenders. Do we have a, a midfielder yeah. in there? Or are we going with another striker? We do. I okay. have a midfielder, um, and this is not MLS. This is the only person not MLS. But right. I had to mention uh -oh. Tobin Heath, oh, national team player who played for the Portland Thorns for a really, really long time and, and yep. has, during the pandemic, gone and played for Manchester United, but my absolute favorite women's national team player at the moment. Tobin Heath. I can and she, that. man, she will make, she will do anybody dirty. She'll yep. make you look like an idiot yep. and yep. she won't have the ego with it. So and that, I definitely so, wanted her. She does it so like effortlessly. Like it's like yes. she knows she's going to do it. So it's, it's not a big deal to her. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, she's like, I already know I'm going to beat this person up. Here, right. I'm off with my day. Who needs the ball now? Um, whereas yeah. you see, like, some people, they beat someone, and, like, you can tell they don't do it often because they're, like, <laughs> so excited about it. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, so imagine this team. Me, whatever. I'm cool, but I'm, like, not, not that cool. Right. Alfonso Davies is the youth, the sass, the TikToker of the group. He's going to keep mm -hmm. it light. He's going to have fun, but he's amazing. Yeah. Eddie Pope's the veteran. Chris Wondolowski is a veteran, but he's mm -hmm. still got a, a, some body to him. Yep. And I, I imagine we I could also have picked Eddie Pope in his prime if we're doing like dream yeah. kind of side, but we got it. Got and then it. Tobin That's Heath okay. is like the workhorse. So in the we've got the box, the box. And yeah. I mean, you find Wando the ball and, and other than like the, uh, the world cup game against was it Belgium? Brian, I swear to, to other, the Lord other than that one game, he puts the ball in the back of the net every time. I have I have a place to be. <laughs> I I've got to go now. I I'm suddenly busy. Man, that was Ryan. heart that was heartbreaking for me too. I it was Ugh. heartbreaking for the country. But here's the thing though, like we were gonna it's, lose anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, and that's there's that, but like most people aren't even able to put them like putting yourself in that position is is very difficult, and it's not something that most people can do you're not taught that like you just certain people know how to be in the right position now other people know how to score in those right positions every time and I think Wando is one of those people I think this was just a time it didn't happen and it's just a big time it was a big time 
He's done it uh, over 160 times in Major League Soccer. So, so we'll, we'll let him have that legacy. We'll have – it'll be an MLS game. We won't play international. So that way those goals are going to come. Yeah. Those goals yeah. are going to yeah, so, what a note to end it on. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so Cheyenne, um, I want to thank you for for being on this podcast. Um, I'm going to be honest, like going into it, I'm not going to say I, I, I didn't know how it was going to go and not saying like good or bad, but like yeah. we spoke, I didn't have that many topics. So it was going to be like just speaking on it and seeing where the conversation went. And I thought it, it was, it was really good. I thought we hit on a lot of good points. We, we're able to kind of speak on your background and like how not soccer stuff has got you into soccer positions, which I right. think is, is big. Um, we got a good five aside team. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with one final word, one final thought? You know, yes. I think that soccer more than any other sport in America is a wide open field for everybody, for players, for content creators, for staff working in front offices of teams at the USL level and WSL, MLS, et cetera. You just need to put yourself out there in whatever capacity you want. Um, and if you put in the work, I think you can make it happen. And I don't think I could say that for any other sport in this country, especially from my perspective. I, yeah. I think if I were to even look at the NFL and see what Aaron Andrews is doing, the fact that even when NFL is not in season, it's constantly on TV being talked about, I would feel like it was impossible to, to crack open um, a spot for myself. But yeah. soccer is not that way, but it's also not going to stay that way for very long. So participate in whatever capacity you feel called to do and, and start doing it now. Okay. Well, that was Cheyenne Foster with the final words there to end the podcast. Yes. Uh, that was very good. So I'm not going to end it with anything else. We're just going to have that be <laughs> it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening uh, to the no stress Midwest podcast. Once again, to Cheyenne Foster, be sure to check out, follow her on Instagram, on her YouTube or Instagram between clean sheets, YouTube between clean sheets. Um, she's got some great content up there and we are going to be looking out for her 2026 when she's a sideline reporter for the world yes. cup. Uh, that was I'll that stand on a street. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. What was the pose when they, when they come to you, right? The, they they send the video to you. You're down on the sideline. You had your little pose there. Oh, my little post. There it is. Cheyenne Foster, 2026 World Cup um, sideline reporter. Everyone, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>